It's time for the news from Back Home Magazine. Today's news is about masonry mass wood stoves. With the cost for home heating oil on the rise again, there's a renewed interest in cost-effective ways to provide space heating for homes. Ironically, one of the most efficient ways to do this has been around for centuries and requires no fossil fuels. Masonry mass wood stove heaters, as the name suggests, are made with lots of masonry, brick, or stone, and typically weigh thousands of pounds. The key to their efficiency lies in the fact that they can burn a very hot, fast, clean fire and transfer the heat to the mass of the wood stove, so it can then be slowly released into the home over a long period of time. The origin of modern masonry mass wood stoves dates back to the 1760s, when the king of Sweden became concerned about a dwindling wood supply in a country that had always been heavily forested. People were simply burning too much wood in very inefficient fireplaces. So, by royal decree, work began to build a better wood heater, one that could use less wood while getting more usable heat. The idea spread across northern Europe, from Scandinavia to Siberia. The net result of this effort today are wood stoves over 80% efficient, because the heat is stored in the mass of the fireplace, not sent rushing up the chimney to heat the outdoors. A hot, fast fire will produce less pollution than a slow, smoky fire, and some masonry mass heaters burn as cleanly as wood stoves with expensive catalytic converters. Here in the United States, masonry wood stoves gained popularity during the 1970s oil crisis and became commonly referred to as Russian fireplaces, since they were often built in Russian immigrant communities. There are dozens of effective designs, but all incorporate some form of baffles or twisted pathways for the fire to flow over and deliver its heat before going out the chimney. Some are simply staggered rows of brick laid up as the heater is built, while others are complicated precast masonry heat exchangers. Energy efficiency aside, a masonry wood stove can be absolutely stunning in your home. Factory-built units are available with beautiful finishes of soapstone, ceramic tile, and decorator colors. Since these heaters deliver their warmth directly by radiant heat. The best location is right in the middle of your home. Many new homes are designed around a central masonry heater as an integral part of the plan, making it a decorative focus of living rooms or family rooms. At the same time, you can buy just the plans and build your own to save money. They can be built in existing homes and often are, but remember, they're really heavy. Without the proper foundation and support, your new living room heater could end up one floor down in the basement, victim of a gravity vortex. But properly designed and built, masonry mass heaters will provide excellent radiant home heat, efficiently using very little wood and not a drop of expensive home heating oil. More information about masonry mass heaters is available from. 
Back Home Magazine. Our phone number is 800-992-2546 or on the web at backhomemagazine.com. News from Back Home is produced in cooperation with WNCW, Spindale, North Carolina, with support from Air Check Incorporated on the web at radon.com. Back Home Magazine is published bi-monthly in North Carolina, south of Hendersonville, on West Blue Ridge Road, just east of the old Flat Rock. For all the folks back home, I'm Ryan Doyle. Thanks for listening. You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Are you here? <laughs> yes, I'm here. I think all so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we are live, local, and um, we're actually here. Yes. It's like... Um, yeah, this is not digital trickery. We actually made it to the station today. It's just like... <laughs> so, Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. I can't believe it. I forget this promo. <laughs> We're going to just have to start having the guests call in and do the promo back to us. Yeah. I wish we should have a, a <clears throat> guest person call in. Each week, yeah. to do the promo. I've been doing this promo for <laughs> yeah, over for over 14, a decade, over yeah. fourteen years, because it's <laughs> this, the same um, theme. So, wake up and be healthy, and therefore wealthy, to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is Ord Energy Mon, and this is Tree Song, and we are here to talk to you about the weather. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you may have noticed the weather if you're here in southern Illinois with us. It's just like, actually, let's talk about fracking. <clears throat> yeah. What the frack is fracking? Fracking opponents voice concerns at IDNR hearing. The Illinois Department of Natural Resources, otherwise known as IDNR, had about 175 people show up at a public hearing last Tuesday at Wren Lake College in Ina. A six-panel member panel listened to a range of public comments about the DNR's proposed fracking regulations. Most were highly critical of the draft rule, and many comments focused on water quality monitoring, disclosure of chemicals that are protected by trade secrets, and this the size, the the fines. I actually caught a ride there. Yeah. I was bored, and I thought, let me like find out what the public thinks of this. Mm-hmm. And I showed up, and um, the the thing that really got me was the fines. Yeah. They're caught doing something that's already illegal under something else, Yeah, like the Clean Water Act, which the fines are huge. But now they're exempt from that because they're under this law, and the fines are $50. Yeah, like $50. To $2,500. <laughs> It's kind of like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Now, the best thing that I read about it is it didn't say that they may or shall pay the fine, which is lawyers speak for saying you have to. Yeah. It says they can (laughs) or may. If they're in the mood. Right. I mean, that's the words it says in there. It doesn't say must or shall. Yeah. That was one thing I commented on. There's a public comment period where even if you don't go to the hearings, you can go online and comment. And so I commented on that one because... That's that's just a little ridiculous. Now, two of the people who were did the public comment said 
that they couldn't comment online because the website was down. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, I heard, um, the, I heard some people talking and it, the person who was most adamantly saying, you know, I was trying to get on, she was an older lady and she was like, I was trying to get on the website and they wouldn't let me. A young staffer took her aside later and said it was his idea that literally this is the first public comment in Illinois, according to him, mm. that they're allowing to do online. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Well, it's good that they're allowing online comments. Uh, right. And he was just like, um, so we're having a lot of problems with the website. Yeah. So that was <laughs> his, you know, he's just like, this is our first time doing it. That's why we're having so many problems. So <laughs> yeah, um, and it wasn't built by the Obama administration. So yeah, well, I liked an, an article I read recently pointing out the impossible task they've been tasked with of making rules to make fracking safe. <laughs> well, it's, just, it's like making rules to make walking through fire safe. You know, it's kind of hard to do. Well, I mean, um, the Illinois Department of Natural Resources, their job is to protect the you know the land, the water, the air. Yeah. And here they're supposed to come up with rules and regulations for something that will not protect, no matter what they do, yeah. the air, water, and land. So, I mean, they've been mandated by the state to come up with regulations for something that cannot be safe no matter what they do. Yeah, it's a no-win situation. It's like a Kobayashi Maru for all of the Star Trek fans out there. A what? <laughs> Kobayashi Maru. It was an impossible-to-win scenario that the only way you can win is cheating. Oh. But there's no way you can regulate fracking to be safe. Well. No way I know of, you know. <laughs> the, like, the current technology I am just, familiar you just with. You said, by cheating. <laughs> yeah, by cheating. <laughs> if aliens come in and they suddenly just like use their the transporters to beam out all of the shale gas, now maybe. DNR <laughs> will hold three more public hearings. Um, there was supposed to be one on Thursday, but that was yesterday, and they canceled it because um, there was like uh, an ice apocalypse. Yeah, ice apocalypse. You know, <laughs> and then on top of that, today we got a snow apocalypse. Yeah. And the unfortunate, the snow isn't an issue. You know, people from Chicago, they deal with snow all the time. They're like, snow, what you talking about? <laughs> they don't talk like that, do they? <laughs> Not quite. Oh, okay. Um, but underneath the snow, there's ice. And so that's the danger. Yeah. Now, um, there is one scheduled in Carbondale, December 19th. Keep your ears open because so far everyone they've scheduled They've given the wrong address where it's located. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, Supposedly it's in the student center, but we'll see. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty funny. The yeah. last couple were scheduled, and then the the address was not where it was actually at. Yeah, they could move it to like a parking garage or something. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> now, the public comment period closes on January 3rd. I think they're trying to pack it in during the holidays so nobody will show up. Yeah. So um, one of the uh, themes, it seemed like, of the comment period the one I went to was people were saying, please extend the period yeah. through the end of January so that people can actually comment. Yeah. So that'd be good. Even under these conditions, though, I mean, 175 is a good turnout for Ren Lake College where they're teaching about fracking, you know, like to get that many people. Are they to, really? Yeah. They, they were teaching something related to fracking, right. fracking related job skills. So okay. at, a, at a campus like that to have, uh, now everybody did not get a chance to comment. They yeah. only allow comment period of two hours. And unfortunately, they didn't tell people that up front. Yeah. <laughs> or I think, no, I think they briefly mentioned it right at the beginning. 
but then you know people who showed up in you know the first ten minutes of it didn't hear that. Yeah. And so well, we wouldn't there want were to some <laughs> people who were very very frustrated that they did not get a chance. Yeah. So they were pulling people's names out like you know a lottery randomly. Random. Yeah. But you know pe- people all expected to have a chance to speak. Well, we wouldn't want too many public comments. <laughs> well, I mean, at least now, imagine if you didn't have the option to do it online. Yeah. If You'd you, have to spend you, if, 44 cents or whatever each time to send a comment. Well, um, but, you know, driving an hour, an hour and a half to go comment and then find out you did not get a chance to comment. Yeah, that would be really frustrating. So, all right. Um, we spent too much time on that. Yeah, well, it's a big issue of local importance, so I think it's really good. Really, why? Oh, <laughs> let's spend more time on it. <laughs> yeah, because we might, we might get fricked. But in other news... One of the topics we often talk about. Big corporations are getting ready for carbon taxes, even if we're not. In a report released by the UK-based Carbon Disclosure Project, 29 companies, including five big oil producers, Exxon, Mobil, ConocoPhillips, Chevron, BP, and Shell, uh, they report that they are using carbon pricing estimates to plan for hypothetical future regulations in the U.S. This generally means that an estimated carbon price is applied to a corporation's big investment projects like new drilling rigs, for example, which will likely be subject to some kind of emissions tax in 10 or 20 years. So they're basically, they know that they might get these taxes slapped on them, so they're planning for it now. Even though we haven't convinced the politicians yet, (laughs) they've got faith in us. Well, that's the funny thing is, (laughs) at least someone believes that carbon pricing stands a chance. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but it's pretty funny. The people who are going to get taxed believe it's going to happen. Yeah. And believe it... (laughs) I don't know if they believe it should happen, but they yeah. believe it's going to happen. They believe it's going to. But and nobody else seems to believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they thought long and hard, too, because they know as soon as this press release goes out that it's going to embolden people to actually <laughs> do the taxes. It's like, oops, they've probably been <laughs> talking about this in secret. Yeah, in secret and, for a couple of years. You know, but I don't know. This right here was actually released, you know, the a public, it was the Carbon Disclosure Project. Yeah. So... Now, th- so they're probably, you know, publicly releasing this. It doesn't seem to be any way secret at all. Yeah. So. Unless CDP has spies in the oil companies. <laughs> so. Climate change. Climate sneak attack. New report predicts sudden changes. Generally speaking, climate change doesn't come at us like some specific rim conju monster leaping suddenly into view from the watery depths. It's slow and confusing and hard to observe on a day-to-day basis. But that doesn't mean that we don't have some nasty and sudden surprises in store. Mm -hmm. A new report by the National Research Council looks at the social and ecological dangers that lie ahead. The report has a Hollywood-friendly two-part title, Abrupt Impacts of Climate Change Anticipating Surprises. And like Hunger Games Catching Fire, this new release is also a sequel to the NRC's 2002 report of the same name with the subtitle Inevitable Surprises. (laughs) Now, what kind of surprises should we be anticipating? In the Worry About It Later column, we have some climactic scenarios in which the Arctic belches up methane from the massive stores trapped beneath the ocean floor, or the heat circulation in the Atlantic stutters to a halt, soaking us in climate polar melt. The latter was the premise of a 2014 climate apocalypse movie called The Day After Tomorrow. But the report suggests that these ones may actually be 
for a few days after tomorrow, a more serious risk, you know, by 2100. It's not going to happen around now. Hmm. It's going to be a while. (laughs) So we should probably focus on the problems near at hand. Luckily, there's still lots of worry now to go around. One example of an abrupt change at hand is the biblical plague of mountain, pine, and spruce beetles ravaging North American forests, which has caused enough damage to no longer evergreens, they call them no longer evergreens, <laughs> yeah. that swaths of dead trees can be seen from space. The beetles had previously been held in check, well, by the deadly cold snaps every few winters. Now, with just a small uptick in average temperatures, beetle populations are exploding. Bad news, even if you're not a conifer or a no-longer evergreen, Since forests sequester about a quarter of global carbon emissions, making the atmosphere nice and cool and breathable for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like a mix. Some things that'll take until 2100, some things that are happening right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was actually, in my uh, climate presentation, I included a picture of two million acres of uh, trees in, uh, at that time it was Canada. Yeah. And it's working its way down, where it was no longer getting cold enough in the winter and these trees, I call them drunken trees because, I mean, they ha- they were leaning all over the place. There wasn't enough permafrost to hold them up anymore. It didn't. And the beetles had wiped them out. Yeah. You know, and they were just like two million acres of dead trees because yeah. it didn't get cold enough in the winter to, number one, kill the beetles, and number two, the ice still hold the trees up. Yeah. So. That's a lot of trees. I know a lot of people who grew up in the cities may not have a concept of an acre, but two million acres is a lot. Yeah, it's like, who cares how big an acre is? Yeah, it's like a million. Two million of something. Yeah, it's like a big region, you know. Two million inches is big. Yeah. (laughs) It's like. All right, so surely people are working on this issue, though, right? We all know climate change is happening. Well, scientists say that current international warming target is disastrous. Ever since the 2009 climate talks in Copenhagen... World leaders have agreed on a 2 degrees Celsius, that's 3 degrees Fahrenheit for those of us Fahrenheit people, as the maximum acceptable global warming above pre-industrial levels to avert the worst impacts of climate change. Right now we're at about 0.8 degrees above the original. But a new study led by climatologist Jim Hansen of Columbia University argues that pollution plans aimed at that target would still result in disastrous consequences, from rampant sea level rise to widespread extinction. A major goal of climate scientists since Copenhagen has been to convert that two-degree limit into something useful for policymakers, like a specific total amount of carbon that we can afford to consume. This I fall- can't afford to consume carbon at all. It <laughs> yeah. gives me gas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it gives you gas. But, yeah, let's see. Yeah, the IPCC, International Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, pegged the number at one trillion metric tons of carbon about twice what we've emitted since the late 19th century. If greenhouse gas emissions continue as they have for the last few decades, though, we're on track to burn through the remaining budget by the mid-2040s, meaning immediately thereafter we'd have to cease emissions forever to meet the warming target. So this is not good news, because, I mean, it's already hard enough to get people to stick to this two-degree limit, but this news is saying two degrees is too hot, and what we're doing is not going to bring us to do degrees. Why are we even talking about it? It's snowing outside. <laughs> yeah, it's snowing outside. There's no global warming. <laughs> I mean, they really hijacked the whole conversation by calling it global warming. 
Yeah, that's why I'm not sure what to call it. Sometimes I call it climate change, sometimes global warming. Because global warming is accurate, but because in some places it's still cold, people get confused, either intentionally or accidentally. Well, all climate change means that we still have the same weather patterns, well, hopefully. <laughs> They're now. just more extreme. Yeah, they're getting you know. crazy. Yeah, it's just you still have the same weather patterns. Yeah. They're just more extreme. Like, you know, going from 70-degree weather to below freezing weather. It was weather. 70 degrees? Yeah, yeah it was like a week ago. A couple I days ago. I already. I think I think even Thursday. No, Wednesday was when it hit 70. That's Wednesday true. night, yeah. It was like 68 degrees at dark on yeah. Wednesday. <laughs> Man, now you forget so quickly. <laughs> yeah. Ice apocalypse. Ice apocalypse. Will Massachusetts begin, become the second state to ban fracking? Now, I thought, I thought we had the toughest regulations. <laughs> Everyone says they have the toughest regulations. I thought Illinois, we, they said we have the toughest regulations. Wait a second. There's a state that has banned it? That yep. sounds like a tougher regulation to me. Yeah, me too. Massachusetts. Legislation that would oppose a 10 year moratorium on hydraulic fracking is making its way through the Massachusetts state legislature on Wednesday. The Joint Committee on Environment, Natural Resources, and Agriculture passed the bill, which would also prohibit the dumping of fracking wastewater in the state. Quote, although the state is seen as a rich, isn't seen as a rich source of shale gas, there could be limited deposits in western Massachusetts, the Associated Press reports. Hmm. And then, of course, there's the whole issue of the fracking water. Yeah. It's like, I mean, that's a big issue here in Illinois, especially considering a couple summers ago when we had such a drought. Yeah, if you've got a drought and then all the water around you is polluted, that's not a good thing to have. So v- Vermont banned it last year, and um, if Massachusetts does it, they will become the second state to do so. Yes, will Illinois be the third? That is the question. In other news, we've got one quick one here we'll do before the happenings. Students petition SIU to divest from fossil fuels. Why? <laughs> oh, I guess you'll read and tell us, huh? Yes, a little bit. Uh, um, it's not like we've been bad-mouthing fossil fuels all this time. <laughs> yeah, if you've been listening for the past 20 minutes, you might have a guess for why. <laughs> but yeah, students embracing nature, sustainability, and environment. Sense. Along with Guy House, Buckminster Fuller, Future Student Group, and Geography Club, are promoting a petition that encourages SIU to stop investing in fossil fuel companies. They call for all money invested in fossil fuels to be divested. And it's part of, we've talked about this campaign before, it's part of the 350.org national campaign to encourage divestment. A lot of colleges have been doing it, Hampshire College, Unity College. Uh, SIU would be the largest school to commit if they join the initiative. And some cities also, Seattle, San Francisco, and Portland, have already done so. Yeah. And basically, I mean, you know, they're the, they're calling to take all the money out of investing in fossil fuels through mutual funds and stocks and, you know, a lot of it elsewhere. And it's actually becoming more and more easy because um, those other stocks that they're talking about are actually making a lot of money. Yeah. Now, the fossil fuels, of course, they they, they pay no taxes. They make a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's the truth. So. Yeah, they, they cheat. <laughs> so um, we're not going to cheat today. happens to be National Miners Day. Mm-hmm. So... Um, people still have to crawl into the earth and give us coal that does just slightly under 50% of our energy still. Yeah, that's where yeah. All, a lot of this light around us is coming from. Right. And it, it's a very dangerous sometimes and difficult job, so we wish them safety and wish them well. 
It is now um, National Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. So, yeah. Let's see. We we almost forgot today is National Pawnbrokers Day. <laughs> yeah. You have to thank them for something. Yeah, give a salute out there to all of the pawnbrokers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's also um, coming up. We have. Uh, I I tend to not like to commemorate deaths, but it's the anniversary of John Lennon being shot. It's the time to remember. Didn't say he died. He's just shot. Yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> he shot. He did day. die. Yeah. Kidding. But yeah, it's so it's a time to celebrate his music rather than think about his death, in my opinion. But it's also the birthday of Jim Morrison. Well, that's like. People all over the internet are saying uh, Nelson Mandela has died. I was like, no, he hasn't. Physically has died, but he has left such a legacy yeah. that that legacy will never be able to die. He'll be around for generations. I mean, um, MLK, Gandhi, they're not physically alive, but they're definitely not dead. Yeah. So I almost never saw anybody on the internet said, you know exactly what i just said so i'm awesomer (laughs) yeah i think you got it encapsulated right there so monday is un international anti-corruption day (laughs) one day a year good luck with that the other (laughs) theater is 64 days you can be corrupt but (laughs) tuesday is noble peace prize day and un human rights day yes and you un international mountain day is on wednesday it's like all right happenings we actually have the cook right here, but she didn't want to talk. <laughs> She's like, the Filipino fundraising dinner is going to happen tonight in spite of the weather because she is having to fly back tomorrow to the Philippines and therefore cannot cook next week. So we cannot cancel the dinner. Join us at Gaia House today for a special Filipino fundraising dinner. Um, that will be at 7 o'clock unless you would like to cook and learn how to cook Filipino food, please come at 6 p.m. The meal will include some spicy food, some good food. No, I'm lying. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good food. Like, <laughs> so um, if you would like more information about it, um, I guess you call call me, 893-1717. Yeah. I want people to come and eat something. No, I don't. I want all this food for myself. <laughs> yeah, but it's money for a good cause. Oh, though, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean... Um, <laughs> we'll share for a good cause. Yeah, so um, fundraiser for the typhoon. I don't know. you remember that, that that happened? Bunch of people got killed. Yeah. A lot of people really need help. It's easy in the U.S. to start to forget, but it's still going on, and they still need relief. Yeah. So... Um, Tonight, 7 p.m. at the Guy House Interface Center, 913 South Illinois. Food, fun, and raising. Yes. <laughs> and speaking of food, the Carbondale Community Farmer's Market is still going on. And they're indoors. Yes, they're indoors, so you don't have to be out in the snow all day to go to the farmer's market. you got to go there a little while to get to the community high school. It's at Carbondale Community High School from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. tomorrow. All sorts of goodies in there. Tomorrow is the UN United States uh, United Nations Declaration of Human Rights Anniversary Vigil at noon at the Town Square Pavilion. On Saturday, honor the 65th anniversary of the United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights. It's a pretty big deal. All right, also coming up, the Southern Illinois Alternative Gift Fair coming up on Sunday from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. at the Carbondale Civic Center. 
It's an opportunity to buy all sorts of holiday gifts for the ones you love while also doing something for a good cause for local nonprofits. And it's kind of fun because you get to give the money to a nonprofit while you get a present for a friend. It's like a twofer. Yeah, it's a twofer. It's a double bonus gift. And we have a big one here, Chris Mahana Kwanzadan. This is the third annual Chris Mahana Kwanzadan coming up on Sunday at 8 p.m. at Guy House Interfaith Center. It's an annual interfaith celebration of all winter holidays, starting out with Candy Davis at 8 p.m. with folk and Christmas music and her song about Guy House. Then North 40 is taking the stage after her, and topping off with Hobo Knife 2.0 will be at Guy House on Sunday. And the tickets are $10 per person with a $5 discount for students and a $5 discount for Guy House members. Those do stack. So Guy House students, if they're members and students, they get in for free. But it is a fundraiser, so for others it's 5 to $10 based on your discount. For more information, you can go to uh, ourguyhouse.org or show up on Sunday at 8 p.m. And if you'd like to become a member of Guy House... Go to OurGuyHouse.org and sign up to become a member. Let's see. Next Thursday, December 12th. Man, it's like December. Yeah. <laughs> Marriage Equality Community Forum at Church of the Good Shepherd, Thursday at 6 p.m. Find out about the nuts and bolts of the Religious Freedoms and Marriage Fairness Act that was recently signed into law in Illinois which will allow same-gender couples to marry when it takes into effect next year. Yes. And finally, fracking hearings. There are more Wait of those going you on. You said that excitingly. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm just supposed to say, fracking hearings. Hearings, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> excited about the hearings, not excited about the fracking. Uh, they rescheduled the Effingham one for December 16th at 6.30 p.m. at Holly Inn. There's going to be one in Decatur at December 17th at 6.30 p.m. at Decatur Civic Center. And here in Carbondale, there will be one on December 19th at 6 p.m., hopefully at the SIU Student Center, unless they play some shell game with us. <laughs> That's when it's scheduled, though. Will do. Hopefully, this has been an exciting and informative half hour of your community spirit. I think we're going to sneak in your song right after the... Oh, yeah, right after the break. Yeah, so... Um, the wonderful underwriters. If you would like to stay in touch with us... Info at yourcommunityspirit.org. That's our email. If you um, want to send us anything, do so via email. Info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Don't forget to go outside and throw at least one snowball, whether you like snow or not. Do it. Do it. <laughs> It'll be fun. For, you know, less than a minute. It's just yeah. like, <laughs> all right. 